makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Chasha. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with a good heart. And as we voice from the heart, it's good for all of us to be here. You're listening to First Voices Radio and Teokasin Ghost Tours, sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Esopus or the so-called Catskill Mountains in the lands of the Muncie-speaking Lenape. This is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill produces First Voices Radio. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as firstvoicesindigenousradio.org for archive, downloading, and listening. So I'd like to welcome you all here. I have three guests in studio, some surprises here. Um, we had originally some guests that were going to be here, but they cannot make it. But we have some mainstays here, and that's good. We have Christian Matute Sagba, Sagbe, Sagbe, um, his brother Michael, and we also have Lucas Jatoba. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them as we go along, but I'm going to start with Lucas Jatoba, who is a photographer and filmmaker who was born in Manaus, northern Brazil, and he's been living in Rio de Janeiro since 2014, where he studied anthropology, and he started working as a freelancer, professional, and volunteer documentation works on topics related to human rights, especially issues related to urban social issues. He's also the co-founder of Tropi Climb. Um, so that's, that's Lucas, and uh, we have Christian Matute Sagbai, incarnated on a land currently referred to as Guala. Gualacio, okay, Ecuador. Not too long ago, it was Quichua Canary territory, and I'll add, it still is. How's mm. that? This recognition of land and language has drawn Christian to do the work of language justice. He's currently exploring this avenue of healing while keeping in mind the need for future generations to decolonize themselves through expansive and yet collective, connective land-based principles and like to welcome all three of you gentlemen here and would you introduce your brother yes yes yeah. thank you uh this is uh but to my left we have mike 
Tute, Sagbai. Also, just grad, uh, went to a school in SUNY um, Cortland. And uh, yeah, just doing some training uh, communications there as well. And now is currently just exploring what that is in the area after school and in our current uh, world now. So we have him here. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me once again. Um, as my brother mentioned, uh, I was going to school for communications at SUNY Cortland Upstate. Um, and yeah, it was an interesting journey, but really excited to be here. Oh, thank you for coming to First Voices. And we'd like to start off our traditional circle here. And would you do us honors, Christian? Mm, yes. So we're going to take uh, just right now, really, a moment to um, connect ourselves to the elements. And we do this through the water. Uh, we have some water in front of us. Uh, really just uh, taking the moment to uh, feel the water inside us. Let this resonate and feel how the blood in our body is like the rivers and like the waters of the earth. So just with this, just saying thank you and recognizing mm. that. Peace. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that water makes it all much better. Oh, so fluid. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, I I had um, I had uh, Christian and Lucas on a couple months ago, and in time we had Jonathan and Capiolani on, and Mike Michael. It's your first time. We have Christian back and Lucas, and we we covered a lot of subjects. We didn't really stick to one because we we kind of weave here. Mm. And tonight I was thinking, what what can I start this off with? And, you know, <clears throat> a lot of these ideas don't come from me reading books or it, they all come as they're floating in the air, come from the land. And I was thinking, wow, there's a lot of farms here. There's a lot of fences here. There's a lot of roads mm. here. There's a lot of, to me, it's <clears throat> ownership, a lot of disconnection because of that. And I was thinking about, okay, <clears throat> what am I? What's the quality of relationship with nature that I have as a native person from South Dakota to here? Is, is it, would it be the same if my people were in another land and in, in another country, another hemisphere, basically, and <clears throat> not indigenous to the Western hemisphere? And so this is what I'm, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, it's, it's almost like we are encoded with this DNA to really feel the land because, uh, you know, I often go with the land remembers us but are we forgetting the land? In other words, <clears throat> Mother Earth has always treated us indigenously but are we capable yet of treating the land indigenously? Hmm. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that's that's very, very, very resonating right now, more so than ever. Um, I think the way that the earth is speaking to me right now is really to look at the generational um, patterns that I grew up with uh, within the last, uh, specifically right now, I would say my mom and my dad's generation, uh, and then that of uh, you know her. 
uh, her time. And seeing how coming from Ecuador to now coming here, there there has been a, a major world change of view, a culture that m many of it has been lost. Recently, my mom just came back from Ecuador and uh, she was just telling me, filling me in some of the uh, practices for like letting go of the old and coming into the new and this new year, uh, how, that, how they did that, but how much we don't really do that here anymore uh, at all, actually. And so um, I think for how the land for me, how it It's like reminding me to go back into those practices is once again by looking at those uh, generational patterns and how because now I have uh, offspring we have a four-year-old and uh, a, a new one coming in how like I can break those old patterns that no longer serve us that I feel were embedded in us within the last uh, I would say within the colonization of this area what that is now known as Americas but that was not too long ago um, known as Abiyala by the mm -hmm. Kuna people um, this uh, not even separated nor into South America but it was just that one land and I think I like to say that's still present by me acknowledging that um, but obviously this is comes from from those that uh, never lost that connection you know that linear connection so mm -hmm. uh, how I'm brought back is by looking at some of these terms in the linear aspect, looking at it through the words, you know, looking at certain words that we're using um, and how they really affect our perception in this in this life, how we carry out each other's perception are relating to each other, um, but more so, once again, to the way that the earth is speaking. And so uh, one easy way to do that is through oh, composting. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take a pause here, but I'm gonna leave that for now. Hopefully, we can uh, get back into that and and how composting can can be a, a major way emotionally, psychologically, and but also physically, we can get in connection to the earth again. No, thank you for that, Christian. Michael or, or uh, Lucas, any thoughts about? Primero, buenoichi, Christian. Buenoichi, Tio. Buenoichi, Michael. Thanks for being here again. So. Um, uh, this is Lucas speaking. I was wondering, and just um, in my mind, while you were introducing the topic, how we didn't think of that, but at the same time, it, it that topic comes in like naturally aligned with the other two topics that we discussed like the the last times or the first time mm -hmm. and also on the second time too with Capulani and um, looking at my personal history I the first time I was here with you Tio uh, we, and also Christian we were talking about displacement and I was thinking how I grew up in the city so I was born in Manaus which is in the middle of the Amazon and I left um, when I was a baby to live in in a major city and I lived in, in big cities all my life um, and then when I was a teenager I got back to Manaus I got back to the to this huge city which is in the middle of the Amazon and I started having that contact with nature which was a contact uh, that I was not kept yeah kind of kept away from so i didn't have to experience that and then later in my life i started rock climbing and that started bringing me more and more to nature and to understanding natural phenomena that i didn't so um and that detachment 
that that feeling of displacement is also what uh, we are brought to um, by our culture of being, and that brings me to the topic that we we talked on on our last meeting here with Capiolani that um, that code that we have that idea that that the hu human culture is detached from nature so everything that we create is a part of nature it's not it's not within nature it's something it's something else it's something that we created with so we are bigger than nature mm -hmm. and we brag ourselves for being greater than in than nature so everything we do is it's better like it's better from uh, but Now we see a lot of stuff that's happening, like with environmental um, changes and things that we simply don't understand. And people keep thinking, what can we do? Uh, and I think it relates a lot uh, with what you're talking about, you about uh, can we indigenously treat nature? <laughs> That's a first thought. <clears throat> no, yeah, it's very interesting on um, both, you know, experiences of how land really relates to you guys. Um, you know, uh, for me, like how land really resonates me to come back to my roots is how I'm interpreting the question. Um, coming from school, um, you know, I went to a predominantly white institution. Um, it was kind of funny how most of us on campus, people of color, whether you were black or Hispanic, Latino, etc., like most people there ended up knowing each other that's just how it worked out at college you know um and you know it was crazy because i kind of grew up in an environment um where it was predominantly white so it didn't seem too different for me um going to college but uh what really brought me back to my roots was um that longing of wanting to like you know go back to my roots you know and not just oh you know where i was born with my family here in the states like back in Ecuador like it, it was weird because um, growing up I had the chance to visit Ecuador and being born here in the US I never um, I never f I felt like there was a disconnect between my culture of origin and where I'm being raised um, and it was especially like significant growing up around two older brothers you know my, my older brother here for who were born in Ecuador and then me being born here in the States being first gen and then just trying to understand that dynamic you know I could never understand how their world changed coming from a different culture but being raised in this culture with two different mentalities in mind like you know and then going off to college like the biggest thing that called me out was like the land was like saying like all right go back to your roots like like um I see like the land to me was kind of saying like I see you're trying to fit in this and that but are you really being your true genuine self mm. and I saw answers for that question like randomly like Like, there has been a couple times with some friends. Um, Cortland actually has uh, reservations around town that are really, like, um, known for Native and Indigenous communities. I'm not too sure about too many of them, but I have heard about many times. Um, the closest I got to interacting with any of that culture was there was this, like, trail um, about a 10-minute drive from campus. It's called Lime Hollow. Uh, it was known to have Indigenous roots 
and even throughout the trails you see totems you see small aspects and it's almost like a reserve like a mini reserve type thing it's just like path and stuff but it was i had like a weird calling um one day that i just wanted to go on a walk and you know for people who are close to me no that's not really that's not really me like i don't just go out of the blue like all right let me go on a walk but there was some weird sentiment or feeling i was going through stuff you know both depressed at school dealing with other things and i just felt like i needed to get out you know i didn't really feel comfortable reaching out to family friends nobody but there was just weird connection to wanting to reconnect to nature and when i went on that walk like i just had questions answered i felt like i was being pulled in like it didn't felt like it was necessarily my indigenous culture back in ecuador but just the reverence of you know being around sacred land and having that respect and also acknowledging that like you know this land isn't necessarily ours it wasn't theirs it's the earth's you know learning about mm. that cohabitance coexistence so just you know just something as simple as going on that walk by myself you know and i didn't really know any of the trails no nothing i ended up actually at a beautiful pond with a whole scenery like it was it felt surreal like i felt like i was tripping or something like <laughs> but it was just genuinely just me out in nature on a walk by myself on a sunny day like it was supposed to rain that day so it was it was kind of funny how none of like what i expected to happen happened and you know, I just got a completely different answer and outlook. And after the simple walk, like, I just felt like, damn, like, I want to get to know about my roots, you know. Like, I'm here walking on uh, land that many others, generations before me have walked on. And, you know, they still exist to this day. Um, and so I want to know about mine. And, mm -hmm. you know, small, small experiences here and there eventually, you know, in school led me to learn more about my culture. Um, I joined a fraternity um, field. Fiota Alpha Fraternity Incorporated were the oldest uh, Latino fraternity in existence and it was funny how through there I actually got a chance to learn a lot more about um, my culture's history and other both Central and South American history which I was never taught in school so it was funny how just a simple walk could lead to this mm. domino effect No, that's, that's a good description You're listening to First Voices Radio We have Michael and Lucas and Christian in, in studio We're talking about, you know, our relationship to land a value that we see or what's been displaced and we're talking actually cultural etymology we're digging down deep now because the earth needs us is what i say mm. and michael i'm going to go i'm going to piggyback off to you for you i remember when i when this program first voices radio was in the area of the northwest and seattle area that some people from mexico came up <clears throat> and one was from someplace in Colombia, I think, and they came up to a powwow in in Vancouver, British Columbia, and they came and they were so surprised by what was going on, and first time they've seen this many natives in one place, and they just got sad, but it was after they, they said, I'm indigenous too, I'm native too, you know, how much of this did I feel that sadness, and yet... I had to come away from my land to another place to see the indigenous peoples where I come from. So I just wanted to piggyback off of that. And you reminded me that, you know, we tend to sophisticate because that's part of the colonization. We, we don't keep it simple anymore. We, we often sophisticate mm -hmm. why we're here. It's almost like we're coming up with some kind of alibi, mm -hmm. you see, mm -hmm. some psychological alibi that because we're displaced, we, we miss this much of us were fragmented but when you said you went and the lake basically called you you had some familiarity 
because that blood to me without going to being too nominal but nominal about everything is that blood to me is the dna in the western hemisphere that goes from alaska to tierra del fuego right down there in chile right so i'm thinking about all this stuff and how much we don't even acknowledge of ourselves as native people from the western hemisphere we tend to want to make excuses like like we're from europe or something yeah yeah and just to add on like i know i mentioned i got like a calling like that's different for everybody for me specifically it was like a weird desire like i want to go outside like i just want to be in nature i don't know if you guys ever get that like you'd be you could be in your work day or whatever you know your routine but there's just moments where it's like i need a breath of fresh air and that's all it really started as and for me i knew it was more than that because as soon as i said i got to that like lake i walked up and i felt like i had just found something and you know Mm -hmm. like and i you know i had always been a little skeptical about meditation practices luckily i have my brother here who introduced it many times and you know i just kind of said you know screw it like let me just try something you know i don't usually do i had tried meditation on my own you know small times here and there it worked out for a bit but then i kind of lost practice of that and for whatever reason it was just that moment that was just like in front of the lake it's like all right i want to start meditating started off with a couple deep breaths and for me it was what was affirming to me that was like oh you're supposed to be here at one point I I just looked out like across the water, across the lake, and there was like one specific tree that really felt like it was looking back at me. And it's hard to explain that feeling, but like you just saw like all these trees and there was just for whatever reason, like right across from me, all the way across the water, it was like one tree that had like, it looked bright green, like bright green compared to all the others. And it almost looked like it had two eyes that were just like looking back at me. And then like, and but what was weird was like, I felt like there was another presence there. But I didn't feel alarmed or scared. And at one point, the wind started to pick up. And I almost felt like, like, I remember asking, like, is it okay for me to be here? Like, you know, in my mind, I was like, I'm probably talking to nobody. But Mm -hmm. then a gust of wind picked up. And I almost felt like a hand just, like, settle on, like, my left shoulder. You know, as if kind of to be like, you're good. Like, don't worry. And so, to me, that was the moment that I was like, all right, I'm meant to be here right now. So, that's reality you're talking about. (laughs) That's reality to to a lot of us. We're not kind of going to over dreaming is no it's real it happens that's and that's it. that that's, that's intuition I, i'd call it yeah. yeah instead of like calling it weird i would call it like the intuition there's something there that is not going through the linear mind but it's transcending mm. that and i'm so glad you, f- you felt that calling mm. yeah. but it's um it's interesting to think where that weirdness comes from why did you felt weird you know because um when you look up at the common sense of how Western societies think about indigenous people in general, they they look at all indigenous people are being primitive. So, and what's like being primitive? Primitive comes f- comes from primal, for, from that initial initial feeling of something. So that is an initial response. So it's like being impulsive and the one that reacts upon uh, its instinct and that view is it's like uh, it's like if you you're looking to someone that is stranded on an island and some, and just has to survive and don't know uh, well what it's doing it's just being there and trying to to keep himself alive but that's not it and and just nowadays like in the past decades that archaeology and also anthropology started acknowledging 
that indigenous people were not only the native people, they were not only um, living in nature, they were also managing nature. And I was telling that to you how the how nowadays people realize that the native people in the Amazon they were not only living in the forest, they were growing the forest. Yeah. They were managing the forest in a way that was keeping the forest alive so it could keep them alive too. Mm -hmm. So and they were working together in a bond to to make it grow. So when you think of that attachment that culture does uh, of what's human, what's nature, that's always going to be particularly more violent for native people, because and and to indigenous people from the whole world that still live like that, and suddenly they are taken off of their lands and of that relationship because it's a deep relationship it's the relationship like you were saying of feeling like you're part of something that you're invited to that experience mm. and it's like taking you a part of that and throwing you in an existence that's not yours that it's totally a part of that that's interesting yeah the, i go back to tongue-in-cheek thought is that okay many indigenous peoples birthing or creation stories are very soft mm. coming very soft and then oh, yeah. we run into one in the western to say the big bang explosion right so it starts right there like whoa trauma right there mm. you know so i'm thinking about this and mm. it's a good thing to talk about this you, you talked about the black earth that the people in the amazon still do um as far as i'm concerned and that's we we have to again remember our present phobic language that we speak right now we always refer to our, as, ourselves as was right. and that we are here we're here yeah. and maybe not like we were but we are who we are now and that separation is showing up and i want to say that i know like from this land the buffalo the bison right they <clears throat> they if you put them back on the land the plant diversity doubles and comes back mm. it's the same thing as black earth and the amazon so i think even our voices here as indigenous folks in the Western Hemisphere does that, mm. even if it's on the airwaves. I'm sure the trees hear us. Yeah. The lake her hears us. You you saw the tree. Something different showed up, and that's that's reality to me. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, and I guess um, yeah, like when I when I say weird, like you know, because like I was saying, growing up, I had two different cultures to keep in mind, like even an Ecuadorian culture or just you know. Um, latinx type practice like people be like oh the evil eye you know just something as that like like I, i always use that example just to be like oh like you know lead into spiritual things or other things you know that that our indigenous roots um you know like used to believe in and so like having like those two contrasts um for me you know in that moment like i said weird but it was just more of like it was different you know mm -hmm. like it was just a different sensation like experience like like yeah there's like the part of me that's like challenging like all right am i actually like feeling like the lake is speaking to me or it, like you know and then there's the part of me that's like no like everything you know everything has soul like you know everything mm -hmm. speaks to us the ground the earth nature like so it was like yeah just weird it's mm -hmm. just more of like different okay, <laughs> not cool. necessarily bad we're, we're, that, we're yeah. gonna come back and catch the thoughts with you christian lucas and michael 
here in the studio with First Voices Radio. My name is Tio Kazan Ghostors. We'll hold these thoughts of, of what we were saying, talking about the reality that we live within.
right, that's Voy Voy May by Marie Bowen from the Sami land up in Sweden and Norway and those areas up in the circumpolar Arctic. And in the hand of the night is the name of that one. I think that one is called Butterfly, I think, it, in translation. But this is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokas and Ghost Horse, and I'm sitting in place with, I'm going to correct myself, Mike Sagbe and Kristen Sagbe and uh, Lucas Jatoba from Brazil, from from Ecuador, and as you said, Mike, born in the United States, you know, um, you cannot fathom where their different experiences for your older brother here, Christian, as to where where Lucas was born, even myself as an older generation, you know, um, born in the United States, and and yet it's the United States that we don't know. Mm. It's the America that's wasn't here before 1492. So how much of that have we has been the colonial cloak that we've donned, that we've worn in order to get to withstand the cold and the starving and all the things that seem to be tragic. But the thing is, we are still here. Mm. We not we weren't a were. We carried that blood, that DNA, that ancestry with us. We may have forgotten our languages, but the land has not forgotten us. And this, this scientifically can be proven. People understand this more when, when they really study what they're forced to study. You know, you speak English better because you're forced to speak it, right? So you get to know the innuendos and just everything from the regionalisms and the accents and everything. But you get into the etymology of why they manipulate. So it's a lot of, uh, for me, speaking English is a lot of conflict and antagonism within how we speak it, because we're always trying to prove that we're right, and that's 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 uh, meted out in in education. We take the test to say that we're upgraded, we're we're good enough, we're mm-hmm. intelligent enough. Mm-hmm. But little, needless to say, you know, we're talking about Abiyala, mm-hmm. the whole of the Western Hemisphere, and letting go of the colonialism is what I'm saying. Is that how 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 long do we have to carry around the colonialisms and, and even the terminologies? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, just what Mike had uh, said earlier really had me pondering uh, in connecting to what Teokasin is bringing forth and offering here, looking at our the quality of our connection to the earth versus like the quantity or any other form like that that has to be of a like like supreme or getting on top of competition or all, all these um, ways of exploiting you know uh, it does go beyond the physical it does uh, root at at the psychological and and at the heart of the spiritual part that we've been ripped apart from and so what what has been trying to be forgotten for for so long for this many hundreds of years can't truly truly be taken away because our as you've mentioned and referenced uh, and as we know uh, in our indigenous blood and our DNA it goes way beyond these 1492 or any any date that uh, the United States or Americas have have been established or referenced for us to to try to to deal with and so uh part of that i think that the quality does come and is shown by what uh uh mike has shared here about that you know being born uh, from a separate culture but coming and having this calling this intuition uh as to connect with uh, that's that can't be taken away that's something that can't really be erased and so how do we the 
you know differentiate the quality of that is maybe by how much we listen to that intuition how much we are led to back into that place and what practices that may feel weird at times in, in reference to the current culture or lack thereof um uh, so how much do we listen to that what what steps do we take and and how how do we relate to ourselves eventually to ourselves meaning including the earth including including her more and more in in our um in daily lives uh when we when we wake up and just feeling appreciation for example you know like that that's the most step in it all stems from within you know there's something that is is harder for for them to take out without uh us willingly giving it away and so i basically my message right now is just that of like the power that we have within us still um as as we listen and, and feel into this intuition mm, mm, interesting we we were taught <clears throat> when i was in school that we needed to fight for our rights and i'm thinking <clears throat> that's a separation of sorts that you were talking about lucas is you know we were taught that it's the big bang theory all humans are this way because their science has proven it but yet where's where's the what our stories are relegated to is the myth that they're not real right but yet that story's been from the beginning where they're really starting to quote unquote prove that these stories are worldwide like you mentioned the indigenous stories like the big bang is not our story it's it's a soft beginning creation stories and i go back to the part about um the indigenous were taught to have rights but we're forgetting responsibilities not only to humans but to all life but to earth and so the language to me is really it's it's um really really have to look at it because we're losing our responsibilities and that's why you can't give rights right only earth can give you right but it also gives you responsibilities and i think we've separated ourselves with those two words Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that's interesting. That made me uh, remind of something that I I was talking to you the other day about old movies and about how people are going now to to the movie theaters to watch the new Avatar movie yeah. and how people watch that and they get emotional by by the portrayal of that society about that other planet where those creatures live and they're being ripped apart uh, of their nature, of their environment, Hmm. about how people are going there and destroying that all the time. And how people get emotional because of that. And you get, oh, they're killing the Navi and all that. But if you if you tell them that the same thing is happening like all the time, all around the world, like exactly now, they don't get the same emotion. Yeah. They they don't feel like they they're not shown that, and mm-hmm. they will like turn to you and they're really oh it's probably not like that. I uh, yeah it's probably something else is going on. So when you talk about like um, fighting for your rights, you were taught to fight for your rights. Which rights, right? Uh, it's certainly not the right to be in nature because what nature is, especially here in, in the U.S., like nature is property. 
So people own lands, people have lands, uh, people own bodies of water. That's that's something that really strikes me because like it's something that is not allowed by by Bra the Brazilian uh, legislation. But whatever, it's different in uh, every country. But yeah, it's, you can own like a part of a piece of a river. You can own a lake, a part of a lake or the whole lake it's that's crazy to think about it and uh, so it's the right for property it's the right uh, it's not what you think your rights are it's the right that you they say that you have and that you will never be able to to have at all yeah, yeah. because you need to have money to to have a huge property to to fight for the rights to have that property so it's like you're the, you're actually fighting for an idea an idea as has been referenced is anthropocentrism yeah. it's like that's what we're actually really like fighting for in all these different forms that are being given to us and supposedly we have choices supposedly we have democracy you get to choose the left wing or the right wing you know you know supposedly you have this binary but um, really that's that's when you know you're, you, we go back to what you're saying here uh, Teokasen which is like really looking at, at the letters we're looking at the words we're looking at with the origins and and realizing oh man no 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 we gotta step back a little bit mm -hmm. we gotta remember the earth again yeah oh yeah talking about origin you know you just brought up the movie Avatar lately I've been watching this show called Lucifer on Netflix um it's all about the devil here on earth like if the devil you know existed he's walking on earth and that's what the show's about um the only reason i bring that up is that there was one part um in the show that i just saw recently where he's kind of talking about the origin you know um the lucifer in the show kind of you know spoiler alert he kind of feels like he was labeled as this bad person and because of that he is the devil you know everything about him is evil and the show is just kind of about him, you know, realizing that he can change, you know. Yes, he was given this label as a devil, he's a fallen angel. But anyways, I'm kind of sidetracking. What I wanted to bring was um, the fact that he was just bringing about, like, uh, how many different religions, cultures, you know, practices um, embody, like, or give him the name of, like, the devil. Like, there's different names throughout different cultures. And as we're talking about language, you know, or origins and all, it's like we look back at, you know, what people identified as what is bad. And it's just like, all right, like, we as a community agree that doing a certain action is deemed bad. And then, you know, we kind of, um, through religion, kind of, like, use, like, all right, like, doing, following this type of path is, like, not good. You know, we give it words like evil, bad, um, et cetera. And so, um, for me, it's like, you know, using language is really important to realize because um, we get so boxed in with certain, like, word language. Um, not to sidetrack too much, but being an openly bisexual man, like, I instantly get boxed in with certain words that are used just because, like, oh, I'm bi, so then people have all these associations about me. Or, like, oh, yeah, you know, going back to, like, what I was saying, the show, you're the devil, so you have all these associations. It's like, no, like, the 
words we use, how we connotate them, how we use them, like all are really impactful to those around us. And, you know, it affects our mentality, our perceptions about people. And instantly, like all these associations just instantly get added. So like just being aware of your language and, you know, where it originally came from, how it was used, how it was changed, I think is very important to be aware of. And it's a constant learning thing because just as gay could mean something derogatory back then or it could mean just being happy like mm -hmm. it, it'll change so it's like being aware of where these origins come from and how they're being used now yeah and even our our own colonial prejudice to not accept by you know lgbq mm. you know th those those words um i don't know all of them right and for me it's like we call a wink day in, in our Lakota language. It doesn't mean they're ostracized. Mm. They don't even have a label that they're more important to a, a, a society or a culture than not. So that's, you know, how much have we been colonized to say that's not <laughs> normal, right? And so I think about even how much you talked about Lucifer, watching <laughs> Lucifer, and Lucas talked about Avatar, you know. I know... The 2010 film Avatar was taken from the Lakota people, my right, people. Right. And now he's saying it, and that's outright cultural appropriation. So we have that going on in the Hudson Valley too, with people pretending to be native because they received uh, something from a native, and therefore they're instant shamans. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's sort of they're defining who we are. In other words, they're they're white splaining native people. Right, and that's what I mean. That's the language. That do how long is this going to be allowed, or are we allowing it by by forgiving them? Mm. Right, and the things that we're supposed to do that, um, yet the the complexities of of um, society that this society is is still about colonization. There's something they won't they won't claim because they color it with great words, you know. We're all human beings. We're all indigenous. And we don't know how to be that anymore. Well, at least they don't. But when it comes to indigenous responsibilities, where are they? Where they don't show up. You know, they do not show up if they can claim they're indigenous. Yeah. It's a hard one. Yes. Even for us. Yeah. 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 So what do, what do we do? You know, um, we can say colonization. I say colorization, colonization. All the Christianization, all these words we say, you know, there's capitalism and all that. But when it comes down to it, it's really about the earth. And present phobic language doesn't want to keep us here. It wants to talk about the future or the past. And we are here. It's very, very vital that we understand our presence here on this these airwaves. And it's like, are we allowed to be here as indigenous peoples? Do we have a right to be here? Or is it our responsibility to carry the messages from our ancestors for the little one that you have, mm. you know, or the children that, uh, that, that haven't been here? So do we have the right according to them? Because apparently there's no responsibility. Well, uh, if I may, I think yeah. the responsibility that I... I I have for that is just to uh, remind, or not even remind, but like to f give the the soil that will allow Sacha to and 
bring up his own joy like just just like the joy that's inherent in there in communion with the earth so if that means that you know we're going to be uh going through the forest having days that are not uh like have a specific agenda in mind besides being communion then then that's then that's my responsibility right now and that's the joy as well that i have to do so and so for me like i said i i'll bring it back again to how i started a little bit of talking about composting and like one way that uh um using using words fancy words here but like mm-hmm. uh what we're really doing is integrating soil fertility management you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like using using this they're like oh well how how do we how do we yeah what that's a technology composting is a technology is a management is doing what uh, uh, you've mentioned earlier too Um, and so like I think at at this point um, uh, it's I, I think it's taking simple steps I think it's it's taking um, something that we can do that we have capacity for. I think as indigenous people, we don't want to also uh, strain our ourselves, feel tired all the time, and by trying to explain things to people or anything like that. But taking those small step that allows us to feel connected and then can we share that with other folks you know i think i think by living with uh friends like uh, uh, lala and jared and like in those small steps that i that that i took there the the opening of the heart and the and the way of, of learning to share mm-hmm. but also the nuisance that come uh with community building in, in the small spaces i understood and makes me understand that well the land does uh, wants to hold us and we just need to organize in better ways in order to like share that space that's there mm-hmm. available uh, and then show the people that this is working for us you know what I mean uh, and, and, and the different iterations of how that actually comes about and how that looks like so mm. um, yeah 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 yeah. it's it's acknowledging that um, you you it's not looking at nature from an upper view right. it's looking uh, actually from below and at the same perspective and realizing that um, you are growing together and that you might be learning with each other mm. actually so um, and so it might sound cliche but the first is acknowledging that nature is not something apart it's not something apart from you mm. so it's something that's with you so I was um, Ailton Krenak, which is he is um, a, f- a very famous indigenous leader in Brazil. He wrote that he doesn't perceive anything that's not nature. That everything is nature. That the cosmos is nature. It and that everything that he can think of, it's nature. So um, it starts like that i think that's the starting point and after that it's fighting for your real rights mm-hmm. right too <laughs> right um we're getting down to the time again and uh before we go i just want to thank all three of you mike and christian and lucas for being here and um you know <clears throat> we we talk about um quite a bit about um where are we going to go to what happens to us as native people when we're being paper genocided out here just this country we, we we live by dob degree of blood right other countries don't have that mm. you know we 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 say we're half native and we're quarter native and then all of a sudden we're not 
because they're keeping track of how much native and natives are alive in the United States. And, you know, I'm thinking this is what's happening to natives who are in the belly of the beast, so to speak. And I often view us as the flora, the, the, the flora within, within the belly. We're the ones that are keeping it alive. We're keeping things alive, and, and that's who we are. And so we cannot, as you say, Lucas, is that we're not separate from nature. In fact, we don't even have, have a word for nature, as you know. So how do we describe not being separate? You know, what what is that? You know, and again, it's always about anthropocentrism. We're always putting humans in first first place all the time without ever referring to where we come from, right? So we come from Earth, and a lot of us have stories that come from other places. But generally, what I hear when I go across, like this, is going to be heard in nearly a hundred stations across North America. So about what's going on in this place, microcosm of the Hudson Valley. Because mm. it's happening there, happening in Brazil, it's happening in Mexico, it's happening in Ecuador. So these um, these ideas need to keep continuing. So we're going to be doing this again soon, next month. Maybe with some other voices, but I welcome you back returning. And Michael, I, I know you are may or may not be, or Mike, excuse me, mm. you may or may not be here. and. Our friend might be leaving us here for a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Nick Lucas. Yeah, but life always brings us back. That's right. That's right. So with with that, do you get any final thoughts here? Just gratitude. Thank you for having us here mm -hmm. as always. Thank you to the lands and uh, yeah, those that are here before us. No, yeah. Once again, like my brother said, thank you for having me. Um, thank you guys for opening the space and. Uh, just one final thought that you were mentioning, you know, how can we be responsible nowadays? Like, I personally, you know, don't really consider myself an advocate for all of this, like being brutally honest, not because I don't want to, but just because of lack of awareness and lack of, you know, educating myself, really. Um, and even like after, let's say I go out of my way, all right, I go study this and that. It's like, what are you going to do with that info? So like for me, like how, how, how can we be responsible even as a listener back home? It's just like bringing that conversation to the table. Like, you know, I know many people that won't even have the conversation of, oh, let's talk about our ancestors or let's talk about indigenous, you know, like just a simple conversation, even if it lasts like five minutes, like at least bringing that awareness. So I think this is pretty big, at least for me, I'm getting a lot out of it. So thank you yeah so the next time I see you I'm going to think about the tree that you saw <laughs> you see that will never leave you and our friend Lucas um, obrigado thank you um, it was really nice being here again with you and I hope that I can come back soon yeah you will so whether we agree or disagree with what we said we are all here <laughs> right we all gave our thoughts and our hearts. We came from our hearts and not so much the mental aspect of it, but we start out and we go in a good way. And uh, we, uh, in Lakota, we have no word for goodbye. We say, I want you to live, but we also say, which means basically I'll see you next time when I see you, right? Yeah, but thank you. And back to our engineer. And I, he has something set up for us and I don't know what it is. Probably more of same. All right, Malcolm, you're on. Thank you for joining us. This is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokasin Ghost Horse. Hello, darkness, my old friend. 
I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Need the halo of a street lamp I turn my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light That split the night And touched the sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing songs That voices never share Of Silence. Do, 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 do. Oh.